Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Modern Halacha class. Tonight's topic is a fascinating and unfortunate one. We hope it never comes up, but I was listening to a class from Rabbi Friend and uh, studying Rav Ovadia's book, Chazan Ovadia, page Tav Kuf Zayin, Chelek Aleph, on Halachat Avelut. We know suicide is a terrible, terrible crime in Judaism. But the question is, is it ever possible? And there was a very unfortunate case with an undercover Shin Bet spy that he was going into very dangerous enemy territory and he got caught. And somehow, they were torturing so bad, somehow he was able to get a message to his rabbi that I'm afraid I'm going to spill secrets of the state, right? And give the names of a lot of double agents and all these, you know, secrets and put the lives of maybe dozens upon dozens of people at stake. So, can you guys get me some poison? You know, because a lot of people, you know, spies and things have these poison pills. Would that Israeli spy be able to commit suicide? So, we know we're going to say a very clear and concise class about why we shouldn't do suicide and how we know, but is there any exceptions? For example, in this case of this Israeli soldier where he can't take the torture anymore, and can the IDF or Shin Bet somehow supply him with the poison and he's allowed to take it because he's on the verge of diverging some very, very sensitive material that could put people's lives at age. So, if we look at the halacha, it's very crystal clear. Judaism frowns upon terribly somebody that commits suicide. Just to read from Rav Ovadia's book, it says, somebody that commits suicide. It's a terrible sin. Because the Gemara in Sanhedrin, we learned from Parshat Noah. After Noah comes out of the ark, Noah comes out of the ark, God tells him you're allowed to eat animals. Because you know, previous to that, everybody was a vegetarian. Which under the circumstances, something happened in my life, it may not be such a bad idea to be vegetarian. At least you know you're... Adam and Eve was uh, vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. Adam and Eve, Cain and Hel- everybody was vegetarian till Noah. When Noah came out of the ark, God told him, Noah, you're allowed to kill animals, but make sure that you don't, you kill them before you rip off their limbs. And, since you're gonna, you know, by, by killing an animal, it makes you a little bit more vicious and less sensitive to life. Because animals also have a certain level of life. Obviously, it's not, nothing to compare. God reminds us, don't do murder. You're only allowed to kill animals. And the commentators say there, since humans look similar to animals, you know, both of them are living beings, and they have sim- similar physical and biological symptoms, God makes very crystal clear to Noah. It says this in Torah, in the chapter 9, passage Hay of Bereshit. God says, no murder, and you're not even allowed to murder yourself. It says, Ach, et demechem, idrosh. Murder is the Ten Commandments. But the, it's fascinating that our life was given to us by God. Right? It's a gift. God gives it, God takes it. That's why we Jews, we're going to have to do another class, because I had to deal with this almost a half a dozen times in the last ten years, where doctors want to pull the plug on somebody. God gives our life, and God takes our life. We're not allowed to take our own life. 
And even if you take your own life, it's like you murdered, you understand? Somebody that kills himself is still a murderer. Because your life was a gift from God. You're not, you understand? You're not the owner of your own life. God doesn't give you the jurisdiction to take your own life. You're leasing your body pretty much. Exactly. That's a nice way of saying it. You're not renting it, you're leasing it. And therefore, the halacha even goes to great lengths to discourage from people committing suicide. It says somebody that we know commits suicide in principle. Now we're going to see it may be different practically. We don't even sit shiva for him. Can you imagine that? Somebody that commits suicide, of course we would bury him. But we, you know, usually, God forbid, we, we rip our clothing. We don't eulogy, we don't rip our clothing for somebody that commits suicide. We don't even eulogize him. But obviously, we have the decency to, we don't go as far to say we don't, we wouldn't, you know, no, um, bury him. We would, you know, we would make an official funeral and bury him and buy him a coffin and say all the blessings of Baruch Dayan Haimed. Uh, because that's more for the honor of the family, right? The family, at least, he was a terrible fool. He did the ter- most terrible thing. Murder of his own life, which he wasn't allowed to. But, of course, even though we don't do a lot of other laws of mourning, we do um, you know, bury him and give him that type of decency and honor. So, what happens in the case um, a person goes in a bridge, on top of a bridge, and he, his back is on the bridge, and he's not intentionally... No, yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. Um, because practically speaking, can you imagine, there was a case that it was questionable in our community almost a month ago. It's a terrible embarrassment, you know? Like, it's a custom in the Iranian culture that on the seventh day, hundreds of hundreds of people come to a big synagogue to give condolences to the family. They wouldn't do that? According to the letter of the law, that's right. Because since this person committed such a terrible crime, he doesn't deserve to have a eulogy. He doesn't deserve for us to rip our clothing for him. He doesn't deserve... Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Now... The Rambam explains why the rationale behind this. There's a fascinating idea. Why do we mourn? Why do we do avelut? Why do we mourn for a dead person? Is it to honor the dead person or is it to honor the family, the surviving family, you know, to comfort them? So this is a fascinating dispute between the Rambam and the Ramban. Maimonides and Nachmanides. Rambam says, listen, avelut, mourning, is for the lo- people, it's for the dead person. So therefore, since this dead person took his own life, we don't give him the honor of eulogizing him and so on. And it's interesting that Nachmanetis holds that the, it's for the live people. The dead person went to Gan Eden or you know he went to a better place the reason why we mourn is that we miss him. So it could be that according to the Ramban, we would eulogize such a person, or, you know, it may be a difference of opinion. But, Ravavadi Yosef was asked a question very tragic. I mean, we're talking about, this is a very tragic circumstances. Somebody, 
on page Tavkufyud in Chazon Avadia, where Rav Avadia goes in an encyclopedic way, somebody lost a lot of money in the stock market, and he went and killed himself. So, does the family sit shiva or not? It's a very big question. Even us Persian Jews, a lot of people that are very, don't keep much, they keep this very, you know, uh, to the, they're very serious about it, you know. So, let's open up the idea. Because there is a very important person in the history of Judaism that actually committed suicide. And that is none other than the first Jewish king, King Shaul, Saul. And that becomes really the crux of what we want to discover tonight, investigate. Why did, you know, Saul was the first king, he was a Benjaminite, he was from the tribe of Benjamin, and unfortunately he failed to kill Amalek, and therefore God took away the kingdom from him, the dynasty of kingdom, and he went to battle against the Pelishtim, the ancient Philistines, and he got word that his three sons died. So it became crystal clear that the enemy was closing in on him and they were going to capture the king, which is a, you know, a, can you imagine? It's a terrible shame to the Jewish nation. The king is going to be paraded around all of Philistine territory and then they're going to torture him or God knows, make him like, try to compel him to accept the God of the Philistines. So Shaul, when he saw that there's no shadow of a doubt. His sons, which, which were his top, top generals, have died. He told his assistant, kill me. Take my royal sword and stab me to death. His assistant refused to do that. He told his assistant, take out your sword, fall on it, and that's what I'm going to do. And that's what Shaul ended up doing, very tragically. A lot of people don't know this. The question is, if it's such a terrible crime to commit suicide, why did Shaul do this? So this is the million dollar question. How did Shaul, which the Talmud says was even more righteous in some ways than David, you know, God doesn't pick a Jewish king for, you know, randomly. He had some tremendous, tremendous credentials and he was a Torah scholar. Our Talmudic literature tells us that Shaul was a so how did really Shaul do this? So this is uh, just a... Okay, there's a very controversial book that we're not sure who, sure who the author is. He says a very kind of crazy idea. I mean, I hate to say it in that such a way. He says a very controversial idea which dozens upon dozens of rabbis, because he says this idea, they say the whole book may be bogus and forged. Not written by a rabbi. It's a book that has a lot of Torah literature in it, but we're not exactly sure who the author is. He says that since Shaul committed suicide, if somebody commits suicide, the Besamim Rosh says that if somebody commits suicide because his life is so tragic and terrible, he has no food, or similar to Shaul, he finds out that his sons are dying and it's not worth living anymore, and then He's going to get embarrassed. He's going to get embarrassed. He says, that's not considered murder. That's not what the Talmud is talking about, the Halakha is talking about. He says, only somebody that kills himself for philosophical reasons. 
His life is going handy dandy, but he says, Oh, you know, God, he created a cruel world. So why should I live in this world, you know? If he, if he kills himself on philosophical reasons, and he learns it from Shaul, many, many dozens upon dozens of rabbis write that this is ridiculous, and how could you say this, and Shaul was different. Why was Shaul different? Because the Orchot Chaim LaRosh basically goes into this whole idea of when are we allowed to commit suicide? Because I want to tell you something. I've said this many times in our classes. A Jew, we must desecrate any Jewish law, right? We desecrate any Jewish law, Shabbat, Yom Kippur, in order to save life. Actually, there's a very interesting halacha. I was researching for this class, the shiur. Even if somebody attempted to kill suicide, commit suicide and he failed, we're allowed to desecrate Shabbat for him. Understand? Because there's a there's a rationale to say, why should I go desecrate my Shabbat? It's your own fault that you wanted to kill yourself. So in Judaism, life is very sacred. But in the time of the Crusades and the pogroms, oh God, it makes me cry. A very big dilemma happened. And it's a it was a dispute between Rashi's grandchildren, the Baleto Safot. During the Crusades, the crusaders and the pogroms in Europe, the enemies of the Jews would come into a town, kill all the parents, and take all the children to a monastery. This was a custom. So we know that there's three, three sins, cardinal sins, that we don't do, we don't desecrate, and we have to give our life to. What are those three? Adultery, idol worship, and murder. You're not allowed to become a murderer even if your life is on the line. The question becomes, are you proactively allowed to kill your kid if you know he's going to be Christian? You know that there's a crusader, somebody runs, that hey, they killed every single adult in the last city, they're coming to our town, they're going to kill everybody. They're going to take the kids to the monastery. So unfortunately there were some rabbis. Or let's say... Or let's say the case is different. They wouldn't kill the adults. They would take the adults as slaves. But they would tie up the adults and take their children to monasteries. So it's a, it's a fascinating and very tragic rationale here. Here, you know the kid is going to become an idol worshiper, your child. So you're, uh, that that we say you shouldn't do uh, idolatry, you hear me following me? Can you even go as far to proactively kill yourself or your children in order that they shouldn't? You, okay, you, but your child is two years, three years old. He's not, right? he's going to become a zombie and he's, he's going to grow up as a idol worshiper. So believe it or not, there was some rabbis that they would kill kids. The rabbis of the Shisi. It's unbelievable. He would kill the kids. He said it's better for them to die rather than to be what? Christians. Very controversial. And by the way, disclaimer. Everything we're saying in this class, obviously don't commit suicide. And, yeah. you know, this is just for educational purposes. But, unfortunately, the um, even the Rabbeinu Tam, one of the greatest 
of all the Baal Tosafot concurs with this. He says, since, let's say the Goim are tor- torturing you during the Crusades or during the pa- Spanish Inquisition, till a point that you're about to say that an idol is God. Can you take the knife out of your torturous hands and just stab yourself in the heart or not? Yeah. So this is a difference of opinion. It seems that the Rabbeinu Tam and some group of Baaletosavot, which were the medieval students of Rashi, say you're allowed to. The Rehazakain says emphatically says no. That that we find Avram was thrown into the fire or Michal, Hanania and Azariah were thrown into the fire. They were passive, right? We're not going to commit a, commit idol worship. But if you go and throw us in, then, you know, we're passive. But we're never allowed to proactively do this. In the Bet Yosef, it seems that the, the, the Bet Yosef concurs with the, with the opinion of the Re. That there's never, you're never allowed to commit suicide, even if they're torturing you, or they want, or, or you're, you know for a fact your t- children are going to become what? Raised as Christians. Or even though if you're on the verge of yourself becoming an idol worshiper and, you know, saying. Because that that you have to give your life is passively. Proactively, we never commit suicide. But again, Shaul, so the, the, there is a, how do we explain Shaul? There's a, there's a source in the Gemara that says, Shaul Shalobir Tzon Chachamin. You know what that means? Shaul was mistaken. Shaul, he got depressed, he found that his sons were killed. Somehow, he, he, you know, sometimes we forget the halacha. You know, sometimes you're in such a fog of war that we can't use Shaul as a classical example, right? This, School of thought would say Shaul is in the wrong. We're never allowed to commit suicide, even if you are on the verge of being tortured and your children are going to become what? Idol worshippers. But there's one of the one of the greatest rabbis of the medieval times. His name was the Yamshel Shlomo. He explains in a very fascinating way, which will tell us about the Israeli spy. The Yamshel Shlomo says something fascinating. And it's very true. The Yamshel Shlomo says, Shaul is a very unique example that is not practical for most other people to follow his lead and commit suicide. You know why? Shaul was the king of Israel, right? So Shaul, his entire army has been killed or captive. Now they're going they have a grand prize, right? Shaul was worried that how, you know how Goliath, Goliath, Goliath would um, embarrass the Jews and create Chilul Hashem, and nobody could do anything about it. Mm-hmm. If they would, if the Jews would for, find out that their king is being tortured and you know being ridiculed, and all these Arelim, right, all these evil enemies of the Jews are abusing Shaul, maybe. Most nine hundred percent, thousands upon thousands of Jews would go into war to what? Get their king back, because it's a big, it's a, it's a, it's shameful, you know, to have the king being paraded and God knows what kind of torture they would do, or God knows maybe they would, 
even like the, the crusaders, they would like torture him to such a point that he would, in front of the a stadium of non-Jews, say, yeah, the God of Israel doesn't exist. You know, torture, unfortunately, has results. There's, you know, some people, they can't take it. So he says, in the case of Shaul, remember I told you that there was two, two, two schools of thought amongst the Baaleto Safot? Even the Re would agree. Because that you, he was allowed to commit suicide. You understand? Even the Re that says, you're usually not allowed to commit suicide if your life is in danger or you're going to become an idol worshiper. But if you, by you killing yourself, you save thousands of other people from not dying. The Yamshal Shlomo's Chiddush is fascinating. The Yamshal Shlomo says, he, he believes that all schools of thought would concur. So Shaul is more, uh, a very unique and un, example that we really can't apply to most people. Mm-hmm. But, Rab Gershoni says that this case of an Israeli spy that is on the verge of giving very sensitive secrets that's going to put dozens, countless people's lives at danger because he can't take the torture anymore. He he believes, and we should we hope that this never happens, he would be allowed to take his life. Because the Yamshal, he would be exactly like the case of Shaul, right? That he sacrifices his own life. He sacrifices his own life, but by that, he's saving the life of another person. Now, Rabbi Friend also in his class, he brought down another very tragic, tragic case. What happened was that the Nazis, you know, in order to destroy the Jewish morale, of the Jews that they shouldn't like do a Warsaw Ghetto Rebellion, they would first hang the president and the rabbi of the community, all the prominent people of the community, and torture them so, you know, nobody would have the, uh, even think about starting up against the Nazis, you know? So, there's a Shalota Teshuvot Mima'amakim, the Kavnarav, one of the rabbis of a Lithuanian city, one of the most prominent, wealthiest mem- president of his congregation comes to him. He says, Rabbi, I want to commit suicide. Why? I have dozens upon stories that people like me, that were the leader of a community, the president of the, all the Jewish synagogues and the, like, kind of like a, They took their children and grandchildren, tortured them, slaughtered them before their eyes, and then killed the president also. He says, I can't see my grandchildren's children being killed before my eyes. So I just want to take my own life. So he says, come back in a few days, I'm going to research. So he says everything, we talked about all these different opinions. And believe it or not, he said that, listen... I'm telling you this only for you. You're not allowed to share this because obviously we didn't want Jews committing mass suicide. But he said, since in your case, if you don't diverge this secret to your wife or children, you swear to secrecy, he held that he would be allowed to do that because it's uh, you don't have to, even since you're going to be most probably killed anyways and there's nowhere to hide and better to kill yourself in a non-torturous way to see your children and grandchildren being tortured and slaughtered before right. your eyes. So 
obviously we hope that God, and make no mistake, God will get every blood of innocent Jewish life that was spilled was, um, will be, God will take the ultimate revenge against those people. God knows everything. So, going back to our case, which we hope never happens, but it's very important for me to give this class also because we're living in a time where a lot of people have depression and that guy that Ravavadya talked about that committed um, suicide because he lost all his money in the stock market would his it's a terrible first of all we know that not everything that happens needs to be public knowledge, right? I'm going through a case like this right now. Sometimes we have to save face. If if it's a secret, the circumstances of a person's death, it's a terrible, terrible... When Can you imagine when the, when the family doesn't sit shiva? Everybody's going to find out that it was suicide. And it's going to be a terrible embarrassment. This guy's children are not going to be able to get married. People are going to say it's a bad family. So, is there, so it's interesting that the Ben Ishchai of, in Rav Po'alim, Chelek Gimel, Teshuvah, Kaftet says that this entire law that we said, that people that commit suicide, we don't mourn for them and rip our clothing, he says that there's three conditions for this halacha, that has to be met in order for this halacha to actually happen. And Rav Avadia concurs with this. He says, first of all, he has to have a suicide note. We have to have evidence that he wanted to commit suicide. Because maybe it was an accident. So either he has to tell somebody that I have a hard life, whatever. There has to be evidence, either himself telling us before he kills himself, or maybe he just slipped and fought, you know? That's the first thing. Or in our that, generation, text or email. Right. Or something yeah. Text or email, God forbid. That He said, listen, guys, I have a plan to commit suicide. And the second condition in order for us to label him, because it's a very nasty label for the family, you know, it's shameful that for them not to. The second condition is, is that he has to have committed the suicide within a day, within a very short time frame. He can't like have the suicide note then two months later died. Because then we don't put two and two together. It could be that was an accident, you know. And then we would just treat him as a regular person to do all the laws of mourning. And the Benishchai brings even a third condition which makes the this halacha really in most cases, you know, we hope it never happens, kind of unpractical. And then he says, we also have to have she'en anu yodim Maybe in the end of the time he went to the brink and he he regretted committing suicide and then an accident happened, you know? The circumstances have to be 100%. Basically what the Ben Ishchai says is you have to be 110% sure that this guy committed suicide. Because you know there's a lot of gray area. Maybe there's a one... Basically what he's saying is if there's 1% chance that he committed suicide, in order to save face, 
for the family. They, they shouldn't be ashamed, and this guy's children shouldn't be labeled because it's a, it's a shameful. It's the worst thing. During the Holocaust, you know, Jews didn't used to. Judaism is the religion of life. Other religionism, other religions of death. You know, we Jews, the reason why we exist to this day, if anything we learn from this class that I gave today to you is, Judaism is about life. The reason why we have all these laws is to, to t- tell people, even if you have the most horrible life, you're under the Nazis, you're in the Holocaust, you fight what? To live. But, basically, so Rabavadia, based on the Benishai, says that the case of the stock market, we, we know that the guy was depressed, but as long as there's not a hundred and ten percent, you know, hundred, hundred percent sure we're sure that it wasn't an accident somehow. Maybe, you know, he was doing risky things, but he, at the end of the thing, he wanted to pull back and there was an accident that he died, you know. And considering that there's an extraordinary burden upon us, the rabbis, to help the enemy family not to be ashamed, and also, Rabbi Vadya brings another thing is that it could be that the family doesn't have to eulogize him. But it doesn't mean it's a sure for them to eulogize him. You see? You see that fine line? The law is, since he was such a horrible person, he doesn't deserve for us to eulogize him or rip our clothing. But it, does it say it's a sure for you to do that? Let's say you want to do it. Right? So putting all of those into the mix and the Ben Ishchai, practically speaking, in order not to ashamed the family, thank God, we hope nobody commits suicide, people. And I want to say this, that it's a tremendous, tremendous burden upon the rabbis. And somebody that you see is suicidal, you need to get him help. Don't brush it under the carpet. Because you have to take it in the most serious ways. The person may need medication, he may need God knows what. But Hashem, may Hashem, I'm sorry if this class was a little bit on the dark side, but... We hope that always everybody has a good life, a happy life, a healthy life. And we hear good news from each other. Please don't forget to subscribe. And this shir is dedicated for the refuah shalom of my dear father, Shalom Ben Paris. Please continue praying for him. Amen.